It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. You don't remember what order you were in? <laughs> I hear this thing every weekend. I still don't know. I don't know who's when. Um, we're in alphabetical order. Yeah, I think that's what I how I did it. But then I was like pointing around the room as if I was doing. Them. But I didn't want to be last or first, so alphabetical made sense. Nice. It is episode two hundred and twenty-eight of the New Utah Podcast, a show that, as the intro said, is all about Utah. Um, we do all sorts of topics and talk to lots of people and. Today is no different. We yeah. are talking to people. If you had stumbled onto this episode randomly somehow, I don't know. Can you just randomize podcast listens on Spotify? Or I don't or, know. Oh, that reminds me. Amazon sent me an email. They want to put our podcast up on their platform, so I need to fill out that shit and do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so it'll play through Amazon Music or Amazon yeah, whatever. Like the Prime Music. Same. They have a whole podcast section now. Everyone's in the podcast space because guess what? Terrestrial radio is dying. It's dying. funny how how when we started podcasting, we would get comments of, what's a podcast? Yeah, I, I think that's starting to become less and less of a thing now. But now you now hear... Get, what's your podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I was telling... I don't know who I was telling the other day. I give out more business cards for the podcast than I do for my actual office. Because I just... You're not doing a lot of in-person meetings for the office anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the podcast... Like, I always have business cards on me because when I'm out and about doing stuff and I'm talking to people... Like, hey, you want to be on the show or, you know, check out the show. Um, and it's it seems to be a lot more commonplace for me to send those. I was thinking this week, I feel there's a couple of people that have been slighted, but not purposefully. If they're listening and you still want to be on the show, <laughs> reach out. Oh, so what Jess is saying is she just kind of ignored you because she was busy? No, not ignored. Contacted and then no follow-up. Oh, ghosted. So, That's yeah. called ghosting? Yeah. Um, so... No. However, we're typically but also, yeah. two to three months out. Right. So. What Jeremy's saying is is valid. And, and to be fair, Jess does believe in the spiritual world. So if she ghosts you, it's okay. It's normal. <laughs> right. Then she'll get she'll get back to you. Yeah. We'll meet through like EVPs <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can scream like Ghost really off. quietly somewhere. <laughs> we'll pick it up. Maybe you're already on. Maybe, Maybe if you turn this episode up super, super loud, not the intro like I did a couple weeks ago where I really fucked that up. Um, I, I don't know if you listened to the show a couple weeks ago, but um, that was Josh's episode. Oh. oh, that's what you're talking about. The intro yeah, music to that intro. was like, for some reason, like just skyrocketed. I must have. The only thing I can think is in post. I must have accidentally like. I, well, it's not because it's all the software. <laughs> and I, th- I think in post, I might have just like accidentally slid that track volume all the way up. You're like, good morning. It's all garbled. Yeah, because it was super clipped out because it was oh, way too man. loud. Which sucks because it's like the first 30 seconds of the show. But um, Still a good interview, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some of the stuff we did this weekend um, a little bit later on in the show, actually, uh, at least for, for Bree and I. Um, I think the... Do you have anything you did this weekend, Jess? Uh, I went to the zoo, and I worked. Did you Bath see hippos swimming their own shit? No, That's pretty but much... we got to watch the polar bear, and the polar bear is never awake, and he was having a good 
time. Yeah, the winter time is actually the it better time so to cute. go see the polar bear because they don't really hibernate at the zoo so much. It was way cute. But um, I worked and I did cakes as I do. Mm, okay. So the usual. <laughs> normal, normal weekend for Jess. Yes. Now, Jeremy, on the other hand, um, had a pretty eventful weekend. Had a rough weekend. Yeah. Um, so, so Sunday I was out doing my farm and stuff like I do every Sunday. Because uh, the kids have their chores during the week, and they don't do that great of a job. So Sunday I go out and go through the chicken coop and you do all stuff. go out and do their chores again. The way it's supposed to be done. And, like, you know, anyway, so I was doing that, and I, I just happened to be walking past the beehive, and I noticed that the little window was open. I was like, that's weird. So I went to close it, but when I looked in, I could not even tell what I was seeing. I just saw black. Oh, no. I'm like, what is that? So I closed the little window. No, there's been no bees in it for, I don't know what, three months now? Yeah, yeah like that. for a while. So so I pull off the top, and as soon as I pull off the top, coming out of all the bars, it's encrusted with what looked like dryer lint at first. Oh, God. And I'm like, oh, boy, what's that? So I go and I get my gloves on and the, the bee tool, and I start prying stuff apart, and I start opening things up. And it looks, when I get it open, it looks at first like cotton. You know those cotton trees that mm-hmm. leave the cotton? They're called cottonwoods. Stuff all over the place. It, it kind of looked like that, but as I'm looking at it closer, and I kind of start scraping it off, I realize those are egg sacs. Yeah, they're larvae. And so as, as I start peeling into it, I, I realize what it is. It's called a wax moth. What they do is they lay their eggs in beehives, empty beehives, in all of the little beehive cells, they lay all their little eggs, and then when they hatch, the larva eats. So did you just not close it up? It was closed up. How the fuck did they get in? So, did you swear or did you cry? I wonder if after I wonder if after the other colony came and took all the honey before you had known. See, that's what I wonder. That one got in and laid some larvae and that those just took off. That's what I'm wondering if in that, that couple week period where I hadn't closed it up, because it's been all closed up for a couple months now. Anyway. Yeah, so they couldn't have got out, so they just like live and then die. Yeah, so so the... the Talk about inbreeding. The thing yeah. is, though, they eat all of the wax. Well, of course, like inbred moths. Were there a bunch of live moths in there? Or were they all dead? There were some live ones, not not many. Most It was just a black... You just call them inbred moths. Well, think about it. Like they, <laughs> they could not leave, so they ate... They, they, they had sex, they grew up, they <clears throat> ate shit, they shit shit, and then they died all in the same enclosed space. And this isn't, we're not talking a lot of space here. Like that beehive's five feet long, maybe. Yeah. And, and like what, two feet deep, maybe? Uh-huh. Like it's not huge. And so. And there had to have been thousands. Yeah, there were, uh, the pictures you showed me, there were plenty. And, like, and it was weird because like everywhere there was one of the lake sacks, it was actually etched into the wood. Yeah, that's crazy. It so, was termite. Yeah, they probably did eat some of the wood because moths do eat wood. Could be. So, so <laughs> I, I pulled the bottom out, and most of most everything fell out when I dropped the bottom. So that's my point. They're probably inbred as hell. Like that's generations of moths that have just fucked their own children and each other and brothers and sisters. <laughs> and so that the what? That's the truth. The most frustrating thing about it is, though, it's like fruit flies <laughs> in moth form. It's like when you make a new breed of puppy. <laughs> every so every year, when I lose the bees, every year I'll take out three or four of the the bad mm-hmm. hive cells. But 90% of it's still in place. So when I put the new bees in, they just take right over. They just take over the comb. and There is no comb. And, in fact, they ate all the wax off of 
the sides, the rails. There's so, not so a for drop you to reuse the hive. You've got to put wax there for the bees. I got to rewax. I got to get beeswax, and I got to rewax all the rails. So do you just have to put a layer of a wax layer on of the it. rails? Is it? Yep. And then they'll they'll take. So it how do you it. make sure they're completely gone? Because you can't use pesticide on it. So I, I I opened the thing up. I completely cleaned it out, and I've had it open since Sunday. Um, I'm going to keep it open for a few more days, and then I'll close it back up. But this spring. I'll just wash everything down before I put the just bees. hose it down real good and then put, set the bee wax in. Yeah, but God, that sucks, man. So yeah, twenty twenty. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the shitty bee news. Like the bee saga just continues for you. I know. But then, so Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, we had a little get together at Jeremy's house, and all his kids were there, and um. In various shapes and sizes and for amounts of time, uh-huh. including his daughter, Maya, with her boyfriend. Uh-huh. And I heard him talking about going to Chili's on a date for dinner, which is why they weren't eating with everyone else. Uh-huh. Um, but then Sunday morning, I wake up and Bree's like, Jeremy's daughter's engaged. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I just saw her post on Facebook that she's engaged. And so I'm like, Heather still hasn't answered me. <laughs> I, I wished her at the same time as you. Oh, and so... So, 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 th- yeah, they got engaged Sunday morning, but the funny thing is she got engaged. Oh, so it was Sunday morning. So it wasn't Saturday. It was Sunday okay. morning. Because I was like, why didn't she fucking She looked like she us? was wearing the same outfit as, I guess when you're just wearing jeans and cowboy boots, she just always looks the looks same. The same. <laughs> well, I so, mean, maybe they slept over and just put on her pants. So Saturday, I guess, before. according to her boyfriend, Saturday was a decoy to, to make. To, to fake her out, I guess. So, so Chili's is the fake out? Chili's is the fake Well, that's a good thing. If a dude fucking... If I proposed to you in a, a Chili's, what would you have said? Yes. No. <laughs> but think about it. Like, if you're, if you're 19, 20 years old... But you old, didn't. You proposed to me on an iceberg in Alaska. Technically a glacier, but I yes. I mean a glacier. I meant but, a glacier. But, like, think about it. If you're 19 or 20 and some dude, like, gets on a knee in Chili's... That's not when I was not getting married to Don. I got proposed to in my bedroom. I'm sorry, that's not. Yeah. So we the know funny how that thing turned is, out. though, you know what the number one cause of divorce is in this country? Marriage. Yeah, marriage. <laughs> that is very true. So one more thing, and then we'll move on. Um, she posted all the pictures on social media before she told us. So I got your message. Within seconds of her calling. That's unbelievable that she would post that I almost beat her if I would have just gotten up a little bit earlier. Technically, you probably knew before I did. I think it was post... Yeah, because I think... I think it had been up like six minutes when I saw it. Because when I... (laughs) I got up and I washed my face. And then I was like, huh. I guess I'll look up my... Open my phone and look it up. And it was the very first post. That is absolutely a And that's why I read it and looked through the pictures and then texted no, you. No, no, no. This, your kid is I bet doing, I was reading about it when she called your you. Your kid is doing everything wrong. Like, who, who, like, okay. No, because she's still going to school. No, 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 no. No. Millennials. Like, I'm going to post on social media before I oh. tell my parents. How fucking crazy are you? And did she just call or did she come over she and tell called. You? So... So she posted it. She fucking lives in... She's at your house all the time yeah. and she called? She posted it. Wait, I, maybe she was terrified maybe of what that, her reaction Maybe was. that's why Heather didn't ever answer me. She was like... What? So, yeah. truthfully. Maybe I... Because I think I texted Heather and then you. 
So it may she may have been still talking to you guys. She may have been like, <laughs> and oh. Heather's like, "What the hell, man?" She was on the phone when you sent the text message. So she was calling us when you sent the message. So I I did. I think I sent it to Heather before because so you, you I knew texted before Heather. I, I texted Heather before I texted you. Yeah. So you knew before I did. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't sit well with Heather. <laughs> She's the nicest lady, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't sit well with her. Yeah. Wouldn't sit well with me if our daughters were getting married, and they're older than than Maya. So that's uh okay. So, but here's the thing. Truthfully, if in three years, which is probably all I'm going to give it, they're freaking twenty. They'll be so different people in three oh, yeah. years, uh, and they've only been together like six months, right? Mm-hmm. But in three years, they're likely to need a divorce, <laughs> and it's probably going to be amicable. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Should that need a rise? Because they so might. Just, just give her. Here we can make a little scan of the poster and you can just give it to Maya for future use. But my point is, like, truthfully, like, probably she's going to get divorced. I would be really, really impressed if they okay, made it. Okay. There are lots that work out. There are. There are. And I don't, exp- I don't want her to get a divorce, but. The odds are not in her favor. And when when that time comes, I'm pretty sure we know a guy. We know a guy. I don't think they're going away. Like our Okay, so I was talking to Tom the other day and ourdivorce.com, they they're exploding. So they're they've raised their price. I think I talked about that. Yeah, we last talked week. about last week. Raising prices and all fifty states. And in all fifty states. So he was telling me uh the other day, he said they actually started doing some work with some influencers, um, primarily on TikTok. Like they're doing a lot of TikTok advertising because Tom's not a dipshit and knows how many fucking people are on that platform. Uh, and so he... How uh, many millennials that need a divorce that are on that platform? It, tons. Your daughter <laughs> will be one of old them. I bet your daughter there. uses TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's probably going to need a divorce. Maybe she'll stumble across him. <laughs> uh, no. So he he uh, he actually uh, decided to do some work with a bunch of influencers. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, last week, but they actually sent a bunch of swag. Like the business is doing so well, he's purchased a bunch of swag to send out to these influencers. Nice. He started. Um, they're, they're delivering stuff. Um, and like Tom, we want some cozies. I know, right? Some beer cozies. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> but he said the first three that they started doing stuff with, they're getting like five thousand visits a day to their site. That's awesome. From just the first three, and they've, so they've contracted a lot him. more. Yeah, so their site is And just, for all the people that are going to be using a service. <laughs> it's blown up, and it's, look, it's a good service. Like, I joke about your daughter getting divorced, pseudo joke, because <laughs> in all likelihood, it's, it's a real possibility. She's very young. People, they get married that young. It is a really small portion that actually make Stay, it long term. Yeah, hopefully it works, but yeah. I mean, we were talking before we got on the air, like, Six months at 20 years old, you don't know who the fuck the other person is, and you don't know who they're going to be in five years because you change well, so much. For our regular listeners, six months ago, Maya was dating the guy that crashed her car. That's yeah. true. That's true. If you listen back, <laughs> I forget about that. So right before this guy was a different guy. So, I mean, like when you're a little bit older, and sometimes like you know, when you know, you know, right? But I don't know at 20 years old if you know after six months. That's just... But hey, that's uh, that's their right as adults. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, the thing. What there's nothing I can do. She's twenty years old. Yeah, so. and at twenty three, they'll be out of college and maybe have full time jobs instead of part time grocery store jobs. And uh, but and babies. But even if they, oh, please don't fucking say that. 
I don't really want to be a grandpa. <laughs> grandpa uh, Jeremy. You could be the first of our friends to be a grandpa. My uh, guess is they're not going to have $13,000 for a divorce. So I think the, like, two ninety nine for our divorce. Even if it's com, up to 500 by then, that's, yeah, still, that's a, still a huge savings. <laughs> He's like, Jeremy gives them Tom's business yeah, card. Yeah, I think you probably should. Gift. Just go ahead and give them that Just card. Just keep this Like, in give your them a wedding pocket. gift. Like, but... Whoever does their cake. But who do you give it to? Do you give it to him or do you give it to her? <laughs> give it to both of them because to use that site, it has to be a mutual thing. True. So give it to both of them. So in their, in their, um, like, isn't the top tier cake what you're supposed to save for the you're first right, year? Yeah. Yeah. You freeze it and eat fucking disgusting year old frozen cake that's probably freezer burned. But I tried to do that with mine, but I forgot about just it. Just lay, before you freeze it, lay on top of it. Then one of the hour divorce cards and, and then wrap back. it. Do it. So that when they open it up and they're not happy. No, like, you put it, you, oh. you put it in the middle in a Ziploc bag no. and frost Cause it. Cause I doubt, I doubt. And then anyone. when they cut into it, then they're like, Oh, I, oh, I never thought of that. But wait, are they going to notice the card if they're getting broken up? They're not going to eat the cake at one. If they're they throw it out. Up. They might throw it at each other. Know, it's wouldn't, hard wouldn't and frozen. Somebody eat it in a crying fit of unhappiness. No. Maybe. That's the kind of thing you forget about in a year. And then I forgot like about mine. Four years later, you're like, fuck, what it is this thing right. in the back of the freezer? That's what happened with mine. And I just kind of kept it for a while. And finally, I was just like, no, it's just trash. We're not going to eat this. It's seven years old. It would have been really good, too. It was my favorite kind of cake. <clears throat> Seven-year-old cake is never good. No, I just mean... It was my favorite kind <laughs> I don't, of cake. I always tell my clients, if they want a top tier, don't save it. I'll make them one on their anniversary. Yeah. But then it's not really the top tier. It's just a inch. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you eat gross year-old cake that's been frozen the tradition. whole time? Tradition. Yeah. yeah. Every Let's do something stupid <laughs> because it's tradition. What? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> she's mad because now she's going to want me to bring the top tier of a wedding cake back, from Hawaii. Back from Are Hawaii. we even having yeah. a wedding cake? I'm sure we'll have something. We'll, we'll have them make us a coconut thing. Okay. <laughs> like wapia we'll have coconut like wapia pancakes is that how you say it wapia coconut the coconut pudding stuff i don't know but it's delicious it's pretty good i remember something else i did this weekend i got covid tested again because oh, i am going to the u dental school on wednesday for an appointment and to go to any of the medical facilities you have to get tested that is true but this time i administer my own tests are you going to the u dental like swabby up the nose or a spit test? Swab up my nose and down my throat. So did Maya. Yep. Up at the U, they had to make them do their own. Yep. So, but uh, for the dental medical school, what are you having done? Like, I don't know yet. I have my first appointment on Wednesday. You don't know what you're having done? Well, it's just... my first appointment at the dental school. I have things that have to be done. <laughs> so is it like oral surgery or is it like just dentistry? No, just dentistry. It's the dental school. So you're like, fuck they you, They wouldn't learn anything about me except for how to clean teeth. Uh, no. So they do all kinds of things. It actually was Jesse of uh, the Ladies Literary Club. Her boyfriend is going to dental school. And she had posted how she got all this work done and that he was looking for patients. So, and I said, I'm your girl right I'm, here. I'm, I'm, I'm not a against that stuff because they need to practice on people and I'm sure it's a, a huge like cost savings type deal but it's a little like dental dental school feels a little bit more serious than like going to the fucking community college for a barber thing yeah because your hair, hair goes, goes back, back fast I have a good dentist well some people's hair to go grows to. back fast <laughs> mine doesn't grow back so fast on the top of my head but 
I just shave it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, the good news is when I got my COVID test, I noticed that the girl had a dentist school beanie on and she works in one of their offices. And I said, oh, that's the reason that I'm getting this test. And she's like, oh, who's who's going to be doing your work? And I told her, and she was like, he's probably one of the best ones well, right now. And good. I was like, good. That's, that's good. good to it's hear. Go, Cause oh. my mom, cause my mom was like, don't do that. And I'm like, mom, the last time you went to a dental school is probably a million years ago. Well, and it, if you're just getting like a cavity filled or something, if you're getting like bridges in a root canal, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> if I went, all they do is get to clean my teeth. My dentist thinks I'm the most boring person in the whole entire world. And then when I saw his little fill-in because he had back surgery, he's like, yeah, your dentist is right. You're pretty boring. (laughs) I like Stonehaven. I go there. I like them, too. They're nice. But Dr. Eric doesn't work anymore. He mostly does back office and, like, management stuff. So, Well, the business has grown so much. Uh, Also, they don't have TVs in their exam rooms. It's just kind of blah to me. No, they did. They don't over in the, the was it South Jordan? No, Lehigh does. 104 South in like Bangator is the one I go to and they don't. It's right next to Mountain Mike's Pizza. <laughs> but they don't have TVs in their exam rooms. I've never at the dentist long enough to watch anything. I think I'd be there to watch like a commercial. The best thing was they always had cartoons on at Dr. World's office. And yeah, because so the watch, girls like, can't go to Dr. World anymore. Well, especially I watch, Cassidy. I could watch SpongeBob while they clean my teeth. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, your daughter got her job at Peterson Farm. Yep. Oh, yeah, Peterson's Farm. So they started their pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did that open, Jess? Last week. Last week. So, yeah, so Hannah got the job. So she started yesterday. So we snuck over there to spy on her and see how it was going. But but we actually went there to check out the, the pumpkin patch. And it's really cool. Did that you take the hayride that has... We, we didn't, but we saw it going around. Did you listen to the audio? We could, we could hear the audio going. Yes. Good job, Jess. Good job, Chris. I It's all from Luke. <laughs> he does all the audio. I just edited it for him for free because I'm a saint. He does it in one take. That's true. Pretty amazing. He yeah. sniffs a lot. He does this a he lot. He does. So, yeah. I have to fix a lot. He's like President Trump, really. He's not. Look, he's like a quarter Only of Only he sniffs. doesn't have COVID. Yeah, and doesn't snort Adderall. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool, though. They've got lots of cool stuff. You guys should go check it out. They've got the pumpkin patch, but then they've got the little store that they've always had, but it's expanded. And this is the first time I saw the beehive inside. They've got the beehive in the little store. That's been there for a long time. Is it a working beehive mm-hmm. in the yeah. store? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And the, yep. the pipe goes outside. It's like right when you walk oh, in the door. Oh, so it's a beehive in the store that the bees can't get in. Uh-huh, so it's glass or, yeah. or plexiglass. The whole outside is plexiglass? Uh-huh. So you can you see can them in them. there. Oh, that's fucking cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I want to. I want to go check it out now. So they open it inside the store it's, to uh, harvest. So I would assume so because yeah. it's in the store. It's not like you move those things. So that's awesome. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, you guys should go check it out. It's I, really I cool. do want to go see. If that. we ever have time to do anything ever, that is true. We're we're usually pretty uh, incapable of spending time with each other. All right, I don't actually mean it that way though. <laughs> like that's not that that came out wrong. Okay. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together. We love each other. We're going to go spend a weekend together somewhere this weekend uh, in the rain, sadly, instead of in the sunlight. But I think that you actually know that you love someone, not just when you miss them when they're gone, but you miss them just like when they walked in the other room. 
or you've spent like days traveling together to go to Denver to move your daughter and then they have to go to work the next like, day literally and you're every, like every waking oh, minute except for when you're taking a shit you've spent with this person for two days and then because that's the one time that really it's okay. yeah it's okay but then they leave for work and you're like oh I'm, that's really sad can I just say though I'm really glad that you are a, a poop lever loner <laughs> like poop lever loner she doesn't try to talk to me while I'm taking a shit once she realizes I'm in the bathroom she's like okay I'm just out she just stop whatever conversation she was having and leave me alone because she ex- expects the same treatment. And uh, I appreciate that because there are couples, my friend Greg, for example, that shits with the door open and likes to have conversations while he poops. And or brushing your teeth while the other one's doing their business. That's Not in the same room. No, I'm happy to grab my toothbrush and go brush my teeth and then use a different sink if she's doing her business when I need to be done. Yep, so. some things can wait. <laughs> Although. Although you do like to try and pee. I pee and brush my teeth at the same time often. You do? Uh-huh. <laughs> All the things you learn. Yeah. She doesn't know. It's only, It's not in the mornings when we're getting ready, though. Um, so I guess it's not that often anymore. I used to do it all the time. I'm a multitasker. <laughs> um, there have been times where I have been putting my contacts in while taking a shit. I'm a multitasker. What the hell else am I doing? Looking at my phone? I can put contacts in. I don't need a mirror to do that. I'm sitting down in a stable environment. Now, if you drop a them, there is a... Stable If you drop them. If you drop them, there is a potential that they fall in the toilet. It's a really small potential. So if you show up with pink eye, we'll know why. Um, yeah, that or my dog's been farting on my pillow. I don't know. <laughs> um, Phoebe is a crazy pillow dog. She's like We make the bed and immediately she's like rolling around in the pillows, pushing them around. Or on the couch, she comes in from our walks in the morning and she jumps up on the couch and the first thing she does is push all the pillows off. Throw all the pillows on the floor. Sounds like my kids. So we got a cool interview coming up, um, but first uh, we're going to talk about... Haunted houses. We we told you last week. Uh, I've been saying for a couple weeks, threatening uh, a haunted house special. Tis the season uh, because it is. It is the season. It's uh, the first of October. Um, it is really. It's it's actually today, the sixth of October, twenty twenty. But it is really important um, that you guys go out and visit the haunted houses in the state of Utah. Um, this is it. They live and die by this this month, part of September, but really all of October is what makes these businesses. But be careful in Utah County because those folks are cray cray down there. Well, and we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about. I want to talk a little bit about um, the precautions haunted houses are taking. Um, so we talked a little bit about Asylum Forty Nine last week. Um, it's kind of the same across the board for most haunts, and that is this. There's no interaction, meaning there's no touching. So one of the big things that's been happening over the last few years is they've been introducing full contact haunted houses where you sign a waiver and they will fucking grab your ass and throw you into rooms and do all kinds of crazy shit. And there's none of that happening. Right. And Kim Kim said that he feels that it's peaked um, out at Asylum. And so he was really very positive and optimistic that this is going to be a good opportunity for people that may have not wanted to go into that space um, because of that, um, for them to finally go out and visit places like Asylum and and Fear Factory. To me, it's a good reset button for folks, too. Yes. So not just people that are afraid of like doing that because of the full contact, but also from people that do the full contact, like... That's not the only way to scare people. And you, 
it's almost like it's a crutch that I can be lazier in my other stuff. If I can go full contact with a scary person, then I don't have to be as creative and scary with the actual haunt itself. And so I think this kind of flips that on its head and it's like, no, now you have to go back to the haunt being really scary. Although Asylum never dropped either, I would say. I would say like their actual props and stuff, like the actual haunt was pretty. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So one of the, so that's, that's one big change that's pretty much across the board. Um, so the, just as some clarification, the CDC has identified going to an open air, one way walk through haunted forest where appropriate mask use is enforced and people can remain more than six feet apart is a moderate risk activity, while going to an indoor haunted house where people may be crowded together and screaming is a higher risk activity. No duh, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, but that's, that's from the CDC. Right. Well, and if you think about a lot of haunted houses, a lot of the actors are in masks anyways. Yeah, they're in masks. And one of the things that a lot of the haunts are doing, so Fear Factory has talked about this. I know Nightmare on 13th have, um, so normally the ma- actors in masks, even if they're no contact, are getting close to you and screaming and yelling. And now that's not being done by them because, as we know, one of the easiest ways to get particulate long distance out of your mouth is to scream. Right. Mask or not, Halloween masks are not effective at stopping no, droplets. Have, but, they just have breathing holes in them. And a lot of them are, are just face paint. But now, most all characters will have masks. There may be some that, that don't. Like, there there wasn't at the Haunted Forest. We'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, but also, most of them have, like, a scream box or have some sort of animatronic piece and the characters are more there to help guide you through the haunt uh, to keep pacing correct and that's a really important piece so that's something I've always hated about haunted houses is when the people behind you get too close or when you end up too close to the people in front of you because you ruin the the surprise scares. Yeah. So the pacing, one of the things that all the haunted houses have to do is figure out timing and line spacing. Uh, and so they're all trying to do the proper distancing. Um, they're slowing down the pace of the haunts. So if you've ever been to a haunt closer to Halloween, it oh, is... Oh, man, that's going to be creepy. <laughs> fucking elbow to elbow. And sometimes, like, Rocky Point at its height before it closed down, literally was just a stream of people walking in a straight line through the thing. I feel that takes away from... It just does. It's horrible. It makes a it. bad experience. And I actually think that's part of why Rocky Point finally just was done for. Um, but being able to space people out more is something they're doing. Um, smaller groups with, you know, less back-to-back groups, so they're really putting a premium at spacing those groups, which means... More time for scares. But in my opinion, if you're an adult, we kind of talked about this again at Haunted Forest, uh, but if you're an... And we'll, we'll talk about that later, but if you're an adult, if you can spend the extra money to get the, like, skip the line passes or front of the line passes, well worth your time to skip the big, giant GA line with all the kids for more than one reason... But because if they're spacing stuff out, it's going to take a lot longer to get through the line. So it's definitely worth the extra five or six bucks a ticket to do something like that. Um, I those- think people go to these, I mean, I assume to be scared. And with them slowing it down and adding things like the sound boxes, which actually sound really awesome. I hope for the haunted houses that it's bringing people back multiple times like they're going to notice the difference the slower pace and hopefully bigger scares they'll be like oh my gosh i have to bring my my friends in and i have to go back and experience that again you know 
Yeah, they're also being creative. Like, if there's not a regular mask, putting a PPE mask mm-hmm. underneath the makeup. Yep. Uh, and and putting makeup over it so it looks uh, worse. Uh, also, they're which you might think is weird, but if you see some of those makeup artists, oh, they're friggin' rad. Well, and that's the thing. Like this, this is where makeup artists get to hone their skills a lot of times too. Is these haunted houses? Um, I will say. Um, their numbers are already reduced because of the pandemic. One of the things they're doing um, is also more focus on some of the animatronics. Mm. So a lot of times when you go in a haunted house, they all have animatronics. Um, but a lot of times they're a little bit further off and the focus is more on the human scare. Mm-hmm. A lot of these haunts have said, we're bringing those more to the forefront. And so like... The dog jumping out of the doghouse at you is going to be in your face now. I because... always think of the last room at Asylum that we walked into that had the big sauce. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even, because I don't want to, like, ruin how it happens for anybody, but there's something that activates them when you walk in the room. And we experienced it in the light, With and the I couldn't on. even imagine walking into that and activating <laughs> the dark so the he- the president of the haunted attractions association which is like the big haunted house association in the country um thinks that roughly half of the haunted houses nationwide are not going to open this year a lot have actually formed talking to kim anderson last week of asylum 49 he said a lot aren't opening ever again yeah and so basically for a business like a haunted house that is a year-to-year business close one on year it, is you're done you're done you're done you you do not come back from so that sad. so thankfully in utah um our government is crazy well i while you're <laughs> while you're getting your paper ready i just want to read this article um that was in the desert news last week also talked about things outside of utah even like worldwide and one of my most favorite ones is a drive through haunted house that they're doing in Japan. Oh, yeah. And it that. looks hella creepy. Like, zombie attacking your vehicles. I mean, it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks good. So we have a list for you of most of the haunts in the state. Um, these are um, 31 haunts in Utah and whether or not they're going to be open. I don't know if the 10 West Scarehouse in Logan uh, is open. I wanted to see. Uh, yeah, we have way more than I ever thought when you yeah, sent over this list. I was like, whoa. heard of. So you've got, uh, there's one down in Tokerville called the 32 Tokerville Road. Yeah, I'd never heard of that one. They're, Sounds creepy. They're, they're open. Uh, Asylum 49, obviously, we talked about is op- open. And I want to talk about some of these that, I've been to a lot of them. I love haunted houses. So Asylum 49, I still tell everyone the best haunt in the state. Yeah. Because of where it's at, because of the history, because of what they do. And you can go year after year, and it's always changing. Yeah, they, like, if you were... I was telling Kim that while I was up at Bear Lake a couple of weeks ago, their uh, first episode that they did with Ghost Adventures was on, and that was seven years ago. It's unrecognizable <laughs> now. So it's, all, it's always changing, which is awesome. Yeah, so um, the Bates Haunt, it sounds like... Um, the Bates Haunt is still going to happen. Um, and the Bates Haunt is like a, it's a little house in Taylorsville that does a little small haunt, I think. Uh, and so they said from the 16th to the 31st, they're going to be open. Um, there's not going to be any outdoor sound event. Um, so, uh, just radio broadcast sound and stay in your cars across the street. So they hmm. um, the Bates Haunt is a 
a tr- little attraction in Taylorsville. So that's kind of cool that that's going to um, open up, it sounds like. Um, there's the Canyon Road Haunt in Pleasant Grove. No idea. Never been there. Yeah. Uh, there's Castle of Chaos out in Midvale. Um, that's, uh, that's open. They do an escape room year-round. They do escape rooms year-round as well. Um, that's the one that uh, Bree's cousin uh, and her husband um, work at. Um, Castle of Chaos is a, a great little haunt. Um, we did a show from there, or sort of, with the <laughs> Halloween people with the peep, the weird fucking ghost tour. Who? What is the name of those people? <laughs> I don't know what their name is. It, well, the Bone Looker people. It's formerly known as MNL per- yes, Paranormal. Yes, MNL Paranormal. Changed. Yeah. They changed their name, and I don't remember what it is. Um, yeah, Bone Licker, Chicken Bone Licker. Um, that was <laughs> that was Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, that was something else, man. I it reaffirmed my belief that that's all bullshit. <laughs> Um, and the like drunk lady. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, she was a little. Uh, yeah. but, the, but but their haunt is really it's a great haunt. Um, it's it's fun to go to. That was another one that was a big full contact haunt. You could do full contact in it. Um, Dead City Haunted House in Murray. Um, I don't know that one, but it's this open. one. Yeah, and this one is advertised a lot. Like there's a lot of billboards for it, but for, for I haven't City. Yeah, hmm. I haven't heard of it before. So the thing um all new scares and brand new screams, it's at uh, 5425 South Vine. So hmm. over there by the cemetery. Is then. that like the old that no, the old Castle of Chaos was up by um the Cottonwood Mall. That's where this the old, a, old castle This is, is a 30,000 square foot walkthrough with 60 rooms Holy and over shit. 150 animatronics. That's a huge With contest. Hollywood quality sets. It is. Huh. How uh, have I the never pictures been look rad, place? actually, <laughs> but I still wouldn't. Yeah, know. their posters are pretty cool. I think I need to go visit this place. Can you? And let us know how it is. Uh, yeah. This yes. is one I've not been to. That's really cool. Do it's it. over by it's over by where the Dollar Tree and shit is over there. It's a Dollar Tree. In off of Vine like like fifty sixth and like huh. um is it what is it in like one of those old mattress stores? You or know something? where like the big lots and yeah. the Macy's and the Del Taco is over uh-huh. there? It's in that area. It's in that, that like there right was that those. there was that old sports store. I wonder if it's in one of those. Yeah, that's where it looks like it's at. Um kind of between the court and there, like on Vine Street. So like your fast side. pass for that one is thirty five dollars plus Totally tax. worth it, guys, I'm telling you. I can go to the less scary one. Dead Ends Yard Hot in Logan. Don't know what that is. Don't know if it's open. Um Fear Factory. I've not been to Fear Factory. I've wanted to go to Fear Factory. Sean's been to Fear Factory. Yeah. I've been two or three times. During so, the haunt? To investigate. That um, doesn't count. We're talking about so haunted houses. Fear Factory also thought to be haunted. It's an old cement factory in the middle of Salt Lake. You can't Lots miss of it. deaths there. They're open. They've been interviewed by a lot of the, yeah. the, the news channels and stuff. So also worth going and getting a fast pass there. Uh, Fiesta Fright in St. George, because you can't have anything that's not a Fiesta in St. George. I don't, they're <laughs> trying so hard to be part of the Southwest. Um, <laughs> Halloween Insanity in Syracuse. I I'm no looking at this one. I'm guessing that's also a part corn maze, which we haven't really talked about. We did a show last year. On we talked about corn mazes. mazes last year. Yeah. Um, so let's see. It looks like... Uh, it's they, only rated as a little scary. Yeah, I think it's just a... I think it's a it's, home haunt. Yeah, like a backyard haunt. Yep. There's a lot of those. Um, which is also really cool, because most of them are 
are free. Uh, I heard that Dan Farr does a really good one, but I don't know where he lives, so... I don't either. There's uh, Haunted Halloween Haven in Spanish Fork. The Haunted Hollow up in Ogden, which is um, related to the Haunted Forest. It's basically the oh, same company. Similar, similar. It's a haunted forest up on the north side of the Wasatch Front as opposed to uh, the do you Utah me- County Park. Do you remember when they had the Haunted Forest on Redwood? Just right now is where the, the freeway entrance was. There was that old red barn that they tore down, but they had a haunted forest, and you went through the forest part, and then you ended up coming through the, the that big red brick mansion. Nope. That one was really cool. Was that in like 1976? Uh, probably 95. It would have been one. Probably 95, 96. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in Utah for that. I was, In fact, in 95, 96, I was building and acting in haunted houses in my hometown. It was a cool one. It which is really probably cool where my love for haunted houses comes from. Um, Indian Hills Horror Haunted House in Provo. Don't know. The Horror House. What? <laughs> Jeremy. In Provo. <laughs> the Horror House in Provo. Uh, Insanity Point in uh, Lehigh. How come I didn't see the Haunted Forest on here? The Haunted Forest is open. Um, and this is an alphabetical order. Um, because so. they've changed it. It's it's clear at the bottom. Oh, it's, it's the Strangling the, Brothers it's and the... The Haunted Forest. Yes. Well, I'm going to talk about it now. Who okay. files by the? So it is the Haunted Forest. It's in American Fork um, or... Lehigh Pleasant. No, it's Grove. it's American Fork. It's yeah. like Boat Harbor American it's, Fork. It's actually really easy to get to um, if you take exit two seventy five, which is the Pleasant Grove Boulevard exit. You and go right, which is west, and you just drive down the road, <laughs> and you basically run into it more or less. Um, but it's it's Boat Harbor Road is yeah. Uh, but the the cool thing is Stringling Brothers is like fucking three blocks from it. I wouldn't you, even say it's that far. Yeah, I would say literally it's Kitty Corner. You have to drive past Strangling Brothers to get to Haunted Forest. I'm glad that they moved that, and I don't have to look at it every day that I drive past yeah, on that, the Where they had it on Dre, on Dre Preferred. Yeah. Uh, by by uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, let me tell you a little bit. We went to Haunted Forest on Friday. Um, we took Sean and Vanita with us. Um, that's where we it learned. It kind of took us. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anyway, so we were wearing masks when we rolled up. It was Utah County, and masks were not very prevalent. So Welcome understand to my life. <laughs> but understand here. Here's a couple things to keep in mind. Haunted houses are pervasive with kids. They're not all going to be wearing their masks, and certainly not wearing them properly. They had social distancing guidelines set up everywhere. No one fucking followed them. When we got into the actual line to get into the hunt, which was quite large for 930, like the first weekend in October. It um, didn't look any different than any other time you'd be in a hunt line. It was just as many people crunched together. And we tried to keep our distance from the people in front of us, but the people behind us were like on top of us. So we still wore our masks the whole time, the whole way through the hunt. We wore our masks. Guess what? We lived. We didn't die of fucking exhaustion or suffocation. It's totally <laughs> possible to do. Our masks were really wet, though, from the breathing that we were but, but the Haunted Forest, by the way, also, you can buy a Fast Pass there. Do it because the It's only line, an extra $6 a ticket. And the line sucks if you got to wait in the line. Um, there's also a chicken in the line, which is funny because like halfway through the haunt, one of the actors was like, did you see my chicken up front? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we did. He's like... <laughs> He's always here with me. He's my chicken. <laughs> we sent like him a up real chicken. chicken. Yeah, it was a real chicken. Nice. Just walking through the crowd. It's a freaky looking chicken. Yeah, it was a little just chicken, big chicken walking around. Um, but anyway, 
that's a I really love the haunted forest and that is the open air kind of haunt. Most of it's outside. It is creepy down in that area by Utah Lake too though. Well, and that's the the thing about the the forest feel is, you know, when you're in a a regular haunt, a regular structured haunt in like a warehouse that they make the rooms, like it's still fun. Mm-hmm. And and each room is unique and has its own characteristics and they do a bunch of themes. And they do those themes in the forest, but when you're in the forest, you're like, it's a dark fucking pathway that sometimes isn't obvious which way you should go. And like, just having people jump out of the fucking trees is scary as shit. (laughs) So I will say they have a lot of disgusting animatronics. There's one that is puking and shitting at the same time. There's an outhouse that sprays you with water as you walk past because... The dude shits his pants in the outhouse. <laughs> there is a lineup of babies. One squirts you with the bottle. The other pees on you. There's the rape babies, too. Oh, yeah. There's like, across from them. There's like these creepy looking things with these little kids in front of them. The creepy looking things are like babies, but it looks like they're raping the little kids. It's it's uh, is it like the barbecue babies asylum. Kind of. Kind of. It's like the same kind but of babies. It's, it's, but it's, uh, what's the dark Santa dude? The deep, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it was, oh, it's elves that are raping yeah, the little kids. But That's it's, right. It's Krampus. It's Krampus? Krampus? Yeah, it's a really cool Krampus, but it looks, I know they're not. They're supposed to be like torturing them or whatever, but it really looks like they're raping these little kids. It's really fucking disturbing. Um, <laughs> all of us thought the same thing. But there were some parts where it was so dark that our friend was leading us and he was just putting his arm above his head and just saying, if I run into something, I'll just at least protect my head because it was so dark. Yeah, but that's the that's the thing about the haunted forest. So I like the haunted forest, and um, it's long. Like it took us forty five minutes. minutes, so it's oh, worth nice. the, it's worth the, it's the money. definitely worth the money. And and so I've said for a long time because I've been to a lot of haunts. Um, if the silver mine was still open, that would probably be number two behind Asylum. It might even rival Asylum mm. because of the just the experience of being in a fucking. Mine. They only did that for a couple of years, but it yeah, was pretty cool. It was amazing. Um, but the haunted forest is still even, I was worried when they had to move, but it's just fine. Oh um, yeah. It's great. And it's a bit, that part of town that it was in got really industrialized. There's, there's all buildings there now. <laughs> yeah. And, and even though they've done a lot of building over by the new area, like it's not enough that it would affect well, it. Well, it's so close to the lake. Yeah. Too, so, Ooh. So I I really uh, I really uh, like the haunted forest. Um and then like I said, Strangling Brothers is now right next to it. And the Strangling Brothers Haunted Circus is another really cool experience from a haunt standpoint. I went through Strangling Brothers the first year it opened as a haunt. The concept is really cool because they take the trailers mm-hmm. and each trailer is kind of its own They're theme. all semi-trailers and you get up in them and you walk through them. And, and you just go from trailer to trailer and each one is its own theme. It's own, And it's the concept is cool. I mean, the whole concept is it is a traveling circus show. Uh-huh. These are the circus trailers. And it, Jess is just shaking her head no because she hates it. The, the one room in there that got me was it, they had the, the room... That you get about halfway in, and the walls are like a big balloon, and it fills up with oh, yeah. air on it you. Just fills up all of a sudden, and you like get super claustrophobic. Yeah, it was. I really like that haunt. It's definitely a good experience because it is so vastly different from a normal. Well, haunt. the the cool thing about that, just from a a business standpoint, looking at it as a business, you get a trailer that people don't really like. You can change it out. Yeah. Or you have a couple of really good years, you get three or four more trailers. Mm-hmm. You're not confined like you would be with a warehouse of this is your shell, that's all you've got. 
this allows them to expand and change and move things around. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like the forest. Like, <laughs> right. There are some, I mean, there's a trail there, but. Yeah, other than the trail being in the same spot, they can move most of the props around. Right. Um, okay, so let's get back to the rest of the list. Um, there's, uh, we did Insanity Point, um, Lagoon. Lagoon Frighteners, oh, yeah, Frighteners is happening. Um, I've already told you Lagoon is a fantastic place to go based on the numbers. I'm sure Frightmares is going to have the same kind of limitations. Um, it is very expensive in comparison to most haunts because you're also getting to go to Lagoon. Right. But I like Frightmares. We went a couple years, a few years back when we had season passes to Lagoon. They have four or five haunts in the, the park, and I don't know how many they're going to have this year. Um, but they're all different. They're different levels of scary. Um, so what did they have? Like Pioneer Village had its own, and that- they they actually take over chunks of rides in some instances. Okay, um, like uh, some of areas. them are like the pavilions where they do like the dance uh-huh. performances. So they and do stuff. like five or six pavilions all grouped together. Um, so yeah, but it's it's I actually think Frightmares is really cool. It's a nice, especially you know, long day activity. You can turn into and it's fun because I always think riding the rides at night is more fun than riding them in the day anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Bear Bottoms Haunts. <laughs> Little Bear <laughs> Bottoms. <laughs> That's out in Wellsville. And it's crazy because, like, Syracuse has, like, four or five fucking haunts. They have Night Fear Haunted House. They have Nighttime Acres. Um, of course, Nightmare on 13th, uh, which I've been to a few times. Um, that's another great haunt. Uh, really cool building. Um, they do a lot of work on it year after year. Do they um, have the escape rooms there, too? I don't know if they do escape rooms at Nightmare on 13th, um, but uh, I, I really enjoy that haunt as well. Um, that is that is all indoors, so keep that in mind uh, when you go there. Um, Night Stalkers, I've never been there in West Jordan. The Sleepy Hollow closed. That's too bad. The Sleepy yeah, Hollow haunted yeah. wagon ride. Um, that, because it's a wagon ride, there's a good chance that reopens up there in Midway. Um, next year because it's not just the haunt. I think it's actually yeah. Because I think they do group. that at like Thanksgiving part like time too. So we watched that glass with the cat. Thank you. The haunted woods in Murray. Is this at the Mur- at Murray Park? Where's this at? Let's see. Huh. Oh nope, they're not open. It says pl- it says on this confirmed right. planning to open. Oh, returns and is safer than ever. It's only five dollars. It includes hot cocoa and popcorn. I'm in. It's family <gasps> popcorn. Friendly. It's only open October 26th through the 28th. Is it like a little neighborhood or something? It it must be. I I don't. I see. want the popcorn. It's in Murray Park. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is it was yep. in Murray Park? Oh, so um, so yeah, it's like a. I think it's like a safe, like kid haunted thing there in Murray Park. So I've never been in Murray Park. Really? Really? Even I've been there. Because I've been to a lot of places, so that doesn't count. So there is, I don't know if we talked about this the last couple of years in our Halloween show, but there is a a map that I just lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it's, oh, I lost, can you hear me? Hold on. Was that a cat? No, that was a dog. <sighs> uh, so there we go. <laughs> um, the dog dropped her bone on the I know, board, I like, and it, out. it actually hit Jess's and the guest volume all the way down. <laughs> There's uh, no, no guest right this second. Anyways, it's basically this company has taken Google and put haunts over the top of it, and it's RockyMountainHaunters.com, 
and it's just for Utah and it's super awesome. It has little pumpkin faces and you can click on them and then it'll give you the name of the haunt and you click on that and it'll give you the address that you can drive to. A lot nice. of them are like houses. So yeah, a lot of people I know in Taylorsville, there's two or three people that do like haunts in their garages and stuff. So yeah, but, but this has all of them. This is, um, you know, big ones and little ones, cemeteries and, and all kinds of things. So that's pretty nice. cool. We are joined this week by, uh, Aldine Grassi. That's the only time I'm going to say it right. <laughs> Aldine Strychnine Grassy ass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. And, and, and I'm going to start by saying we, we have a request from, from a friend that you should do the show in an Irish accent. Who's this friend? Peter. Oh, the Scotsman? <laughs> He's behind you. Is it, yeah, he looks, he looks over I'm us. I'm not sure if I can pull it off. <laughs> a whole show. Yeah, like like <laughs> him. No. So did you meet Peter when Peter came out here? So uh, I actually got to meet Peter and got to hang out pretty tight with him and drank quite a few Pints of Guinness Stout with him. I, I am. I am supposed to ask you how many in ten days did you drink with him, and was that more than you consumed since he left? <laughs> it was, and, and the number is it's up there because we. I mean, I think we went to the pub every night he was here <laughs> isn't that going on three years it's, yeah, it's, it's been, been a long a time it yeah. has i wish i i try to get him to come back i i plant the seed well he's not doing the sod show anymore i know so maybe he has a little more time on his hands maybe, maybe we can get him to come for if St. he comes Patrick. back maybe. if he comes back right now he won't be able to go home you know how you can get him to come Find someone here in Salt Lake that wants to do like a twelve million dollar garden project. Oh. There you go. Like there you go. Like get him involved with the Mormon Church. I'll building keep that some in the back garden. of my mind. I probably <laughs> can hobnob with a few of those folks and maybe put the word in. Because right that's. Spot. I mean, he's got he's got the portfolio as a landscape architect, but. Uh, it's some of the places that he's been doing. I mean, oh, like Royal Gardens and things like that. The, the, yeah, that the, one in France. He the, just the finished that. World yeah. War II Memorial in France. It was a World one. War II, World War One Memorial in France. Not a lot of people alive from that anymore. No, the Doughboys. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he did the the Garden in England just recently. That huge one there. Yeah, dude, the stuff he's done is just—it's mind-boggling. I never knew you could spend that much fucking money on a flower. <laughs> you know, that's another thing is cut flowers and um, uh, slow flowers. There's slow food, but there's also slow flowers now. And uh, instead of buying these pesticide-ridden and um, they use in, like, say, um, in Mexico, places like that, there's no sanctions on what they can use to grow. So uh, it's popped up that um, they're growing a lot more flowers locally, and it's much better to buy them here. They actually smell like a rose instead of been kind of just farmed, you know, so... That's, really that's cool. a good thing. My roses, thing. my roses smell like roses, but I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go cut the bushes back. I've let them go um, a little too big the last couple of years, so I gotta. Because you back cut now. them back in the spring, I don't like that. I like you to cut them back in the fall. Okay, but they're good to cut in the spring. <laughs> I just don't no. cut them back far enough. I like you to cut them back in the fall. I, like I cut all my grapes back in the fall. 
I don't have real grapes. We have just that shitty grapevine, the wild grapevine. And then every year it goes back as much, if not more, from what, the previous year. What's crazy is we have that grapevine along the back fence like the whole street does, and I've never seen a grape on it. I'm pretty sure the birds get them. But there's a house like two blocks that way that has the same grapevine across a chain link fence. And it always has huge fucking grapes, like <laughs> easily like between a nickel and a quarter sized grapes. Wow. And they fall off and get smushed on the ground. They smell year. good, though. Yeah. Grapes are Italians make grappa from Ooh. grapes. I didn't bring any grappa, but that's good. Cause the next grappa's time, not good. The next. No, <laughs> you, you haven't had my grappa. Al's going to have to come back. Speaking of your spirits, Already. though, but grappa out of like actual grapes, but isn't grappa also like the stems and leaves and so traditionally, yes, the old men in Italy, aperitif, they drink the after they make the wine, they call it the manach, the shit, the second batch, the crap after. They mash the stems and the hulls down and add sugar and water to it and ferment it again. And then and then that's the grappa. And they distill it, obviously. And, uh, and their grappa is about 40 proof minus about 120. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's made from the juice and the and the grapes so it's the quality is so, and it's got it a lot more sugar not grappa yeah. but grapes have the most sugar of any of the fruits yeah yeah that's, and yeah. that's why they make wonderful distillates mm. and snacks that's snacks too and wines they make good wines i mean that's all wine right <laughs> Kind of. There's fruit wines. Like this one, right? This is a fruit wine? Now, yes, it's a fruit, fruit oh, that wine. That smells very good. This is made from grapes. It's got a nice fragrance to it. It's got a fruity smell. It's a touch sweet. Is it grape or is it plum? It's plum. Plum. These are plums. And what I brought is both plum. And are these plums that you, you grew yourself in your garden? Or your, I guess your My tree. dad planted in, in the 90s an Italian plum tree. We actually have two of them, a small one on the side and a fairly bigger one in the backyard. And uh, every year I make – there's there's six different fruits in the, in the yard. There's plums, apricots, peaches, pears, apples, and grapes. I'm so fucking jealous of your yard right now. And oh, you so, have no... This is just the start And when of the it. stuff drop doesn't drop on the ground, when I like, well, it doesn't sit on the ground. I make stuff out of it, all of it. I'm Italian, and they don't... You don't waste that stuff. Man. No, I, I love... <laughs> like, okay, my neighbors... I bitched about this before. My next-door neighbors have an apple tree. They have two of them. It's like an apple... Trish. Yeah, it's, it's like so, a tree but bush. A trish. <laughs> no, oh, I like that word. The next door neighbor's right there in the park strip. There's she two apple trees, but they don't like really trim them or manicure them very well, and so they just like hang on the fucking sidewalk, uh -huh. and they don't thin the apples, and so they just have a bunch of shitty little apples, uh -huh. and they're like on the ground because the whole branch is laying on the ground half the time, and it frustrates the hell out of me because I want fruit trees. So I have one apple tree that a really dear friend that is into cider, um, Zoida, Zoider, <laughs> as a punk rock term for it. And there's bands that have the song Zoider, uh, drink the Zoida. And uh, he grafted four different kinds of apples on an old stump that was a crappy apple tree. 
And this year was the first year, it's been three years, that we've got apples from one of the... grafted apples onto it? Yes. So we grafted four different kinds of apples, two uh, cider apples and two cooking apples. And this year was the first year that we actually had one of the varieties fruit after three years. It's been, it's a third year. So and so it's this little, it's got a big trunk and then I cut it off. It's like about like this <laughs> and I cut it off and then he grafted onto the top these and it has new branches and it's re- it's really cool. I'm really proud of it. It's it, it's all him though. It wasn't my doing. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. That's My apples awesome. actually turned out pretty good this year. You guys made some pie with some yeah, of it. Yeah, those were good apples. So I, I want to take Benita a... Benita said it was the best pie she'd ever had. Nice. I want to take a step back um, because we, we haven't asked you our opening question yet. And that that is, what month were you born in? So I was born in the n- next month coming. I was born November? in Me too. November, and I was born on the 13th of November. Oh, so I was born on the 11th. You are you straight go. up a Valentine's and Day. And I was actually born, and so, I'll tell you the year. So your parents on Valentine's Day of that year were just, it, it, that's, it was a good Valentine's it, That's Day. the good Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't fighting, no, is what you're saying. No, they were definitely together <laughs> in more ways than one. So I was born in 1959. I made the 50s, you know the police song born in the 50s that's me mm-hmm. you barely made it yep. out just barely by one month yeah one month yep. that's all right 59 was a good year for humping in february <laughs> <laughs> that's i'll now that goes down in history in my brain yeah have you ever thought about that no i never have yeah. for some reason chris and jeremy can tell you like when you were conceived like instantly i just think it's a i think it's a question well so it's a great question to start with i don't think i've ever talked about this on the show because it absolutely breaks down any kind of like uncomfortable barrier that the nice guest barrier. has in talking yeah. Because they don't think about it, they easily answer what month they were born in, and then you put them in the most uncomfortable spot ever. And well, a lot of people don't even notice because you guys just instantly throw out another month, and they're like, "That's not the month I said." And and, and then you jump back eight, and you're yeah. or nine, and you're like, and "I'm like, just throwing. think about what your parents were doing on Valentine's Day," and they're like, "Oh my God, that's disgusting." Well, now, now I can literally talk about anything that I want. It's all on the table. So where were you born? I was born in upstate New York. I, I was born in a little town uh, um, in central New York called Utica, New York. Okay. And is, that, is that close to Buffalo? It's in between. No, Buffalo's out on the end, Warren. We're central, right in the middle near Syracuse. And um, actually, uh, where I was born is about eight. In the country a little bit. And I lived in the country. Uh, the small town, it's... It, there's the Mohawk Valley, famous, the Barge Canal, the Erie Canal. There's a lot of old uh, war history from Civil War and things there. General Herkimer, Oneida Indians, um, uh, Iroquois Indians. Yeah, I was going to say, that's right by like Lake Oneida, isn't and, it? Yes. Well, that's out on the edge a little bit, too, a little bit farther from where we're at. But um, uh, I lived on a farm in the country, which was really kind of cool. And I lived on the on the hill between the Mohawk Valley and the Sequoit Valley, which is an Indian word, S-A-U-Q-U-O-I-T, Sequoit. And they were Iroquois Indians. And so, you know, you see the things where they don't want 
to have the Red Sox have an Indian guy on the thing anymore. Well, our school colors were red, and it had a Mohawk Indian guy. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, you know, when they, when they pushed it with the Ute Indians for the University of Utah, the Ute tribe actually came back and said, no, we're honored to be part of the college. We're not offended. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, get your name out there. Well, that, that also <laughs> that also came with a pretty hefty payment to the Ute tribe by the college as well, just to be clear. I'm True. okay with that. So, but uh, Good. So yeah. more than you, oh, I mean, it's good. You paid for the use of the name. Where did you go to school? So I, I went in the same place. I went to the country school where the kids were all wearing overhauls, and they were going to go back and milk cows. And my brother was a hippie in the 60s. And so in 68. Older or younger? Older. So he was 14 years old. Yeah, I'd, so. have to, I'd have to think being younger when he was born in 59. He'd have been like a four-year-old hippie. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was actually a ten-year-old hippie. So when oh. actually a <laughs> seven or eight-year-old hippie, I knew all the words to Sergeant Pepper's in '67 when I was when I was eight because my brother was in his twenties and they had beads and they were smoking, smoking weed pot? and they yeah. okay. my brother was they were they were <laughs> taking LSD and they high. had a they had a, a reel to reel tape player that they were recording their trips and that kind of thing. They That's were awesome. they had beads in the doorways and all that stuff. And so uh, I was a little hippie kid. Uh, in in sixty nine I was ten. My brother went to Woodstock and um, I begged my mom to go to Woodstock. That was close to your it house. It was very close to our house, hours away, three yep. or four. And um, my brother went and he came back and he said it sucked. It was a disaster area. It, there was 500,000 people with no food. It rained. It got wet. It was a mud hole. It, it was shit. He said it sucked. The music didn't even weigh into it is his report from Woodstock. So I still wish I would have went. I mean, everyone does glorify it as this just amazing concert experience. But one, I think you had to be high to have any kind of good experience. <laughs> and, and two, what you just said is probably a much more realistic impression, yeah. which was it was a giant cesspool of half a million people. Like, how With you, no food. Yeah. Well, and how do you <laughs> how do you even like project music for half a million to hear? Like the the sound system is as good as they are even today. Like that's eh, a lot. It's tough when you're in the back yeah. of that crowd. So, yeah, even well built Usana Amphitheater that's yeah. built for that sort of thing would right. struggle. Whereas well, I this built for just, half a million people. This was they just, had some big stacks though, if you remember, and they had some big oh, stacks yeah. out in the audience quite a ways too. So, but, but I still it like, must have sounded like you know like a ten inch speaker. Well, and like I, I'm back. just trying to think like half a million people. Like the biggest arena shows are. A fifth of that, like yeah. ninety to a hundred thousand people, is the biggest arena uh, in terms of what it can hold. So, how like five hundred thousand people is such an unfathomable number in the countryside of, in of Europe. people to? Like, yeah, I saw the Stones in eighty one at Folsom Field in in five eighty thousand people. That was the number, like you said, eighty thousand people. And we're way up in the stands in the back, you know. So you didn't uh, really see them in the mezzanine. <laughs> no, you you watched the little yeah, screen you and them. you saw little tiny stick figures <laughs> walking yeah. around, strutting down across the, the stage. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's just crazy to me. I mean, but it's a you know a festival, and part of the festival is the 
festival is part. The mud and the so no I'm noticing <laughs> that the wine must have tasted okay because everybody's good. glass is empty. That's right. <laughs> I told you you were going to make Brie happy. She loves So maybe she could use a little more, or maybe we should just maybe we should try this one. You should get yeah, the, just, the harder yeah, stuff out. So, try this one. So you're so so you're you're clearly into uh, spirits and making spirits. Um, what? got you into making your own spirits so the i have all these trees in my backyard and then the first year it was 2011 and or 10 and i made wine and i made 22 gallons of wine that year did you do anything else with the fruit no i did it that is a lot of wine i made 22 gallons of wine that year how long did it take you to drink it all (laughs) um i think we gave it away and there's still some dusty bottles laying around and that I haven't cracked for a long time. You're like, let's see. And then you can just compare like, okay, I made this stuff like 10 years later that's quality and then here's the stuff I made I've got some here right and then here's the stuff that I made like 10 years ago let's see how shitty it is <laughs> so it didn't go that long then uh, within the next not the next year but the year after I got a still and instead of making all the wine I still made all the wine actually I have 65 gallons of wine at the house right now wow. in barrels behind the house so 30 two 30s and a 15 and um, then if you distill that down, it comes to about a 12, 12% of that. So, you know, you get seven or eight gallons a year from all the trees in the backyard, different, the, like I said, apricots, plums, um, peaches and grapes are the four big ones. Mm-hmm. The, the the apples and the pears don't have enough they, sugar yeah, they to distill. They don't distill. Really you well. have to add. You have to. You can make fortify. good ciders with those. Yes, but. and and I've I've dabbled a little in cider, but not much. I'm more. I'll I want to throw it in a barrel and not really give a shit about it and not really care about the little details. I want as much alcohol as I can get in it. I want to use <laughs> distiller's yeast that can, that I can get up to 17% alcohol out of it and then I want to distill it. I don't want to I don't want to fart around with the with making beer and having everything sterile and, and see I don't care. I'll if there's a worm in it, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Just crush it and, and, and so ferment. Do you know what percent this is? Yes, I do. Actually, it says it right here on the 130 proof. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. 65%. About right. For, for a brandy. It's a pretty strong brandy. Cheers, everyone. Now, you tell me how smooth that is. That is actually really smooth. How smooth is that for 130 proof? You see, at 130 proof, it's like vodka, and all you taste is burning. It's got a very, um, but you get the fruit out of it. Do you? There's you taste the fruit. It's very. It's got a very um, it, it's, salty taste to it. There, well, that's okay. Um, very complex though. There's yeah. more than one thing going on. There's a lot going on. You, you get a real earth tone, a real earthy tone. But a, a slight sweetness from the fruit? A little sweetness from the infusing this year's fruit into it. Takes all the sweet. And just a, just that feeling right here. Oh, yeah. And that feeling right here is not going to go away for five minutes. It's going to sit there for five minutes and just you're going to feel warm. And it smells inside. so good. So I like that. The way I drink this is about a half a shot. Pour like a half a shot. 
not a full shot and then let it roll back over your tongue just let it go back down and then just taste it you know don't try to wish it around in your mouth or it'll you know some people are like oh no <laughs> they don't know how to drink how to drink hooch. like hooch or <laughs> or or even bourbon or anything like that you know they just don't they're not getting it but this this is pretty smooth that is very smooth i'm surprised with the proof on it. Three years yeah. puts the smoothness in. So all bourbons are three years at least. And so I don't. You got almost a lick. We don't, almost a lick. You almost know, the, the what's the saying? Don't, we don't sell any wine before it's time. It's the Gallo guys or whatever it is. You know, I mean, that dates me. That makes me old because <laughs> not very many people probably can relate to that. But uh, it sits. It sits. There's about 23 or 4 gallons of clear booze from the last three years sitting. And then you infuse it. And then when the time comes, when that year comes around, we're at 17 now. 2017 is three years ago. And so that those batches come out the four or three or four gallons of each of the fruits in the backyard. The four fruits come out. And I'll put this year's fruit from the same tree in it to that's make. That's so cool. Yeah, I like that. You incorporate a little each year. That's really cool. So it's your, you know, it's um, it's as crafty as you can get. It's my backyard. This is you're drinking my backyard. It's as specialty, special reserve as you can ever get. It's, it's pretty good. That's awesome. Pretty good. Yeah, the, the, it's a it's a it's a good spirit, actually. Um, so I, I want to go back. So you grew up with the hippie brother that went to Woodstock. <laughs> yes, you're in New York. How the hell do you get all the way to Utah? So the, what a crazy story. My dad and my mom, my dad was with a company, Univax, Barry Rand, and um, he was a failure analysis guy. If something went wrong with the circuits or this or that, they took it to him. He ran the QC, the quality control laboratory. So in order to retire, he had to, they, they moved out of the, uh, the Utica. They they moved to Binghamton, so he went to Binghamton. I stayed in Utica, where my in Sequoia, where my brother was in the country. We lived in the farmhouse. Mom and Dad moved. Then Mom and Dad had to move here to Salt Lake because it his job moved here, so he could finish out, retire, get the full pension, whatever it was, you know that kind of thing, the little pin or whatever you get, yeah. and the, the belt buckle, the, the watch, and and so they moved here. And they begged me to come, and I said, no, I don't want to come. I like it here. I'm staying in New York. They begged me. They begged me. They begged me. They were gone about a year. I said, I'll come and try it. I'll come and check it out. And I got a job at Snowbird at Ski Resort. I did night laundry. I skied every day. And, oh, you became and, a ski bum. <laughs> and so I was a ski bum. And they, they, all these kids were coming from Wisconsin and all these places back east where the it's all ice. Yeah. And... and <laughs> And here it's like, and it's like totally, if you don't spill the wine, it's bad luck. That's Italian. And so if you don't spill it, you if you spill it, it's the best luck. So we got good luck now. So I, they came, I got a job at the ski resort. My, um, my sister got divorced, moved here in the meantime with the grandkids. My mom and dad actually had to move 
back to New York to finish out my dad's thing, and we were here. My sister was here with her kids, got remarried. I was here because I was a ski bum. When my dad finally retired, my mom and dad moved back here, <laughs> and we relocated our immediate family, except for my brother who lives on eight acres of the road frontage back in New York. So here's a story about the farm in New York. My dad, in 1965, we moved to the country. I was six years old. We planted some pine trees. They were a little like this. They're like 40 feet tall and 30 oh, feet around. Awesome. Now I go, took my kids there. I said, let's see those trees. I planted those trees. Aww. And so... Um, my dad bought the farm, 68 acres, with a 14-room farmhouse built in the 1800s, a four-stall garage, a, huge, a huge a huge barn that had the red barn wood and all that. He bought this 68-acre farm for $19,900. So, nineteen nine, he bought the farm. He sold the farm in 78, I think, for 105000 So he made a few bucks on the farm. But my dad was a gentleman farmer. Uh, we'd never milk cows. We raised cows and butchered them. This is where my heritage for being the punk rock farmer guy comes from is is totally is my my ancestry and before there was supermarkets and all the ethnic people back in the 40s before the world wars you went to the your backyard to get your food you went to the mm-hmm. farmer's market to get your food there was no place on the corner that had every everything on the windy, shelf yeah. and then and then the thing about having everything on the shelf is that stuff is mass produced and it's a bunch of shit man mm-hmm. you go to the you go to the grocery store and that shit was picked a week early rode on a truck will never get ripe the way that it's supposed to and never taste the way that it's supposed to the stuff you buy at the supermarket as far as produce goes is not food that is not nutrient dense food it's not what you should be eating you should be growing a tomato in your backyard go and support the farmer's market and that sort of thing so here i am a little kid i'm in new york i'm i'm on the farm my my dad and my brother they're scalding pigs and i'm cutting <laughs> their throats and and they're i'm shooting uh, 800 pound cows that i've raised from calves between the eyes and have three freezers full of Local beef, my dad called it. Where did you get this? Where did you get this? Oh my God. People come over. Oh my God. This is so good. Where did you get this meat? Oh, that this was is Charlie. This is local <laughs> beef. This is, it was loco. Boco or Coco. Those were the three. So that, those were the ones. Loco, Boco, and Coco. And then we did, we did four pigs. Uh, we had three big freezers in a room that never was heated in one of the parts of the old farmhouse. Um, and, you know, a chest freezer, one of those crazy ones where you never know if yeah. there was a body inside of it when you lifted it up the thing and those kind of things. When you were little kids, that used to scare the shit out of us. You know, right? Like, what's all this meat inside? <laughs> and, and, and so that's where I was taught to be sustainable, grow your own food, because that was a heritage thing that came was passed down through ancestry and what our people did, what Italian folks did. And uh, and that's what I'm doing now. I want people to do that. I want to tell people to do that. I am on the radio advocating that. I volunteer. I don't get paid to do it. I'm um, All my friends are folks from the markets and farmers, and, and they're the folks who are growing. Like I said, this is the key phrase, nutrient-dense food. So uh, in 
in the beginning of the summer, I, I went to the doctor, uh, it was about four months ago, five months ago, and my cholesterol was super high, right? And so it starts to be growing season and I start and farmer's market season and, and in June, you know, the tomatoes and everything starts coming in in uh, July, August. And for three months, I ate from my garden. I did all these things. My cholesterol was 264 over all it's now 103 after three months of eating nutrient dense food i stopped buying meat at the grocery store i don't eat that much meat anymore anyways but um so pay a few more dollars for grass-fed beef or a farm-raised chicken, a field-raised chicken, yes, do it. Oh, Canyon Meadows is the best. Uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> and I so mean, much this, better. Uh, it, my numbers went in half. The lady told me, one lady told me this um, osteopath, right, um, friend of a goat, Farmer, his partner down in uh, Caneville, Utah, Mesa Farms, Roseanne Volmer is her name, and she's his partner, and she's an osteopath. She says, your cholesterol is too low now. <laughs> she's like, you need certain amounts of these things to keep yourself healthy so your body fights back against and has its own defenses that work still in the, inside you. So I, I did it in three months, and I didn't – I stopped eating – around the corner at the fast food place with my kids and I just cooked from my garden and ate a lot of greens, a lot of veggies and a lot of uh, grass fed meats and stuff and stuff like that. And that's, and it works. It works. I want to know, come because you left this incredible farm. How did it take some time to realize how you were going to carry those traditions over to Utah? So it didn't, it just, it, I never thought about it. I never thought about it, and it just sort of went away. It was just like it went away. And all of a sudden, in the last five years, doing this punk rock farmer thing that I was asked to do by Laura Jones at the radio station, she's the producer of the radioactive shows, she's like, you want to be on the radio? She saw me post a big, one big effing tomato on on, <laughs> on uh, Facebook or some shit. I said, one big fucking tomato. I, you know, I didn't say F fucking, but I said... And she's like, do you think you want to be on the radio and talk about, you know, growing food and being an urban gardener, punk rock farmer? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's do it. So then it just kind of ties all it tied in and, 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 and it hits you over the head like, oh, yeah, I did that before. And there was a reason to do it again now, for sure. There's something therapeutic about watching this you know planting the seeds like you're talking before the show about collecting seeds that's something that i love to do from things i buy at the farmer's market and you know hoping that those seeds uh, when they're seedlings that's my favorite part of farming so that, i know people like to harvest but when they come up out of the soil i'm like yeah i did something yes. <laughs> that squash we had this weekend were seeds i took from farmer luke's Squash. squash like five years ago, and I've just kept going with it. He's a dear friend of mine. Because they're so good. Oh, we love that guy. He's a dear friend of mine. He's he's great. He's, he's great. great. <laughs> but it's it's I it's interesting that people don't, you know, th think about that. Like I'm, you know, I'm a pro at growing green onions. Because, <laughs> yeah. Hey. You know, because you just buy one set at the store and you plant those once you're done with them, and they just keep coming back. They so. Um, but it's interesting to me that people don't think of doing that. I mean, I get that sometimes space is, is a limited 
um, commodity or, you know, even just time. But it, it, once the like pandemic started and everybody was losing their minds over toilet paper, it became a conversation of, oh, maybe we should maybe we should start growing our own food. And then I was like, I can't start my garden because everybody else thinks they need a farm right now. <laughs> Green onions are great. They grow by themselves, man. And they the volunteers, the things that come back, tomatillos, they'll come out your ears after you grow them one year. You'll find plants everywhere. Fucking potatoes. It, it, Bring them, give them to me. I'll take <laughs> every and any volunteer. Grow like wildfire for me, punk rock farmer. My thumb is olive drab, <laughs> and it, some things grow wonderfully, but some things they just don't. And what's your what's your what's the bane of your of your soil? So the let's see. I haven't had much luck with melons. I haven't had a lot of luck with. Um, Let's see what else. You know, it thinks uh, through the years and through hobnobbing with folks, there's not too many things anymore that um, I haven't figured out, at least through information and through what people have told me, you know, about uh, how to grow certain things or like uh, carrots. They take a long time. They take a lot of water. They they seem like they're never going to grow. Onions take six months you plant them you plant the starts from seed in january and you're lucky if you get them in august you know stuff like that so some things some things are just meant to grow that way and that's just the way they are and you adapt to how do you dig carrots out without fucking snapping them in half hmm, you got to have a soft dirt and get down in there yeah mine yeah. wasn't soft enough yeah. i snapped all my carrots in half. <laughs> I've, I've always like, struggled with carrots out of all the carrots that my dog like dug up three different batches I tried to plant. I got like four carrots and I snapped all four. <laughs> and so we're actually lucky here because Utah State actually is a big agricultural school and they put out lots of information as to what grows in our climate, like amazing information. What like, and when to plant yeah. and all that. Like you can go on that website, USU Extensions, and I can go on there and probably sit there a week and follow links and another link, and another link, and another link, so good. and we'll send you information on pests, and we'll do integrated pest management, and we'll learn about this. And you, I could go on for. Well, they used ever. to have a booth at the farmers market, and you could bring. Like I brought, um, but I was having issues with my cabbage plants, and I'll tell you what's eating. Yeah, and so what? I brought it. No, I actually oh. brought like what was attached to the cabbage leaf, and and they told me what it was, and yeah, it was cool. Very cool, Nick Valeski. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's the, but he's on Facebook in or no, he's on Instagram, and he's the uh, he's the integrated pest management guy. And if you look for him, what is he on there? Uh, uh, vital? Oh no, shoot! I'm not, I'm having a, a mental block on that one. But he's he's on there for USU extensions and. Those guys are giving out the info. Yeah, they're yeah. not. Yeah. That's one thing about gardeners. They're not holding that info tight. Yeah, none of them. None of them hold it. Like farmers, no. they don't. They're not about no. like keeping secrets. They're about no. sharing. They what, want people to grow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd like so the thing. One of the things that really struck me is Utah's a really good place to grow parsnips. 
Like USU said that. So that's another one that I don't have any <laughs> shit luck with. That's why my I thumb is, the, is, is olive drab. I, I tried the first time this year, and I didn't get them to come up. I actually thought I was getting parsnips, but it turns out there was a bunch of weeds. <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard to germinate. Yeah, there's something yeah, about it. We'll find out more info on that. The, the, and thi- the thing that I read is you have to get really good seeds because they, the seeds are not viable for very long. Exactly. Exactly. Really the germinate. germination rate is super low, so you got to plant like four packages to get like a crop. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that I always struggle with is peppers. I've tried for a couple years a whole bunch of different types of peppers, and everyone I talk to, peppers are easy. Like they just grow like wildfire foam for me. I get about three quality jalapenos out of four really? plants. Oh. Is it? And then one bell pepper that grew about this big, about like two inches. They're tough ones too. Bell, bell peppers have been tough for me, but um, hot peppers uh, have come on pretty good. Like I said, I got some seeds from my friend in Peru, and I have three or four varieties. And one of my long-term projects is a, pro- a seed propagation thing, uh, growing a rainforest plant here in Utah. This one actually grows really well here. And the cool thing about this is it's a little bird egg pepper. And they're like chili tapin, the little small, oh, wow. the little t- small, tiny, tiny ones. They're a little oval egg-shaped one. And this pepper is believed to be one of the very closest strains to the mother of all peppers that that they believe wow. it grew in South America. That's awesome. So this these little bead bird egg peppers spread into the 500 varieties of peppers that are all wow. over the world right now. They all came from the That's Americas. That's amazing. So Same thing with potatoes and tomatoes and corn. That's all American. Yes. And so this is the third year that I've grown this plant here in Utah. One year I had a friend that grew one in a greenhouse, all of his in a hoop house. He had 75 tomato plants. There was a 25 degree frost. All those tomato plants died. The plant, the Arabibi pepper plant from South America is sitting there greener than green with little (laughs) red peppers on the top of it still growing and so this one grows really well and uh, along the Amazon and the tributaries down there they grow along the banks and they're perennial they'll grow into a woody bush they'll turn into a, a wood stem and actually be a tree almost you know like a tree the natives ride their canoe up to them when they're ready to harvest and they bang on them with a stick and all the peppers fall in the canoe and then they pedal off to the market or whatever so this one grows really well here it's three years propagating here in utah if you go seven then it grows just as well if not better here (laughs) than it does there you propagated it to grow super strong in a desert Instead of a rainforest, wow. and so those are the seeds. In Plants seven, are amazing in seven years, I'm going to bring those to the seed swap in Ogden and introduce introduce those seeds into our regional seed bank. So how how big is your garden in, in your yard? So I have two plots that are like thirty by forty, and it used to be just one that my dad 
started and that's where my tomatoes would grow and my garlic and some things but I have another side now that I because I grow 20 eggplant plants and 50 pepper plants oh wow so that's and a lot on the other side is 30 tomatoes and then chard and and uh, potatoes and the other other miscellaneous things but uh, I had to have that other plot just to grow the peppers and the egg <laughs> eggplant plants get big yeah, they yeah. can yes well they're just like they're I mean, love their flowers all, me all too of those, beautiful because eggplants are a squash too right I believe yeah they're from that family all squash plants are just fucking in, that's what's left in my garden most of it has been pulled out now because it had stopped fruiting or it was ready to go and it's in my compost right but I've got a zucchini plant that's like a fucking rainforest of a plant. <laughs> one one plant, and it is bigger than anything else in the garden and producing massive fruit. Very cool. And then the yellow squash finally took and is just like growing enormous. So My, my yellow squash, I grew summer squash this year, and oh my God, I must have had 70 or 80 squash off of it. Yeah, I didn't get that many, but I get my zucchini plant. I've gone to just one because I get so many fucking zucchini. Like, I can't keep up with eating how many I My get. zucchini was horribly yeah, so bad. Five different plants, all but one died. And of that one plant, I've only had two edible zucchini. <laughs> like the one that missed them. Huh. Which well. normally you have more zucchini more than you know what coming to out your ears. Yeah. So the Armenian cucumbers. <gasps> Love them. Amazing this year for Bring them. I trellised. I trellised mine. Uh, I am so happy so with that. Mine, <laughs> mine grew up the lattice. And this dog, uh, not this one, the big dog. That's somewhere. She's outside because she was stinky. She loves cu- <laughs> she loves cucumbers, and if I don't catch it and push them on the inside of the fencing, she will pull them off and yank them off the vine and eat them. And eat them because they're so good. She loves cucumbers. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> oh yeah. So like we we went out of town. We went to Denver um, for just one night, uh, and our other our other daughter was here watching the animals. And I came back and she had ripped half the vine out of my trellis. Oh shit! <laughs> because there were like three cucumbers oh, on it. <laughs> I would be mad a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but I can't get too mad at it. <laughs> he doesn't like cucumbers. I don't. They're not my favorite. They're not. Did good. you know that an Armenian Armenian cucumber is actually a musk melon? Oh, oh, that makes very sense. Good. I There's believe your that. fact of the day. They I are like quite that. a bit. Not they even are, a cucumber. They are quite a bit different than regular cucumbers. That makes sense. I travels too uh, this year. I I on a large tomato cage and I plant planted three inside of it and hey, they grew up the too. edges. Yes, dear. Look, mine were like, very nice. Mine were like. Seven feet tall. Very nice. <laughs> I think for next year, I'm going to plant along the edge of the house. I'm going to plant the bushes. I'm going to plant. I'm going to finally do the berry bushes right up against the edge of the house because I'm I'm really excited to have like fresh blackberries and raspberries. I I, I have them. I planted the blackberry couple years ago but the raspberries i've had for a few years and uh keep them trimmed keep the oh, yeah. keep the hardy stalks for the and cut back the 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 spent ones yeah and you'll get lots the one the variety i have i'm still picking them and i'll pick them until the frost well, comes sean and vanita's blackberry bushes now they're not week. trimmed <laughs> they're like completely like unkempt but they get they're still getting tons of blackberries out of them nice so, so speaking of next week, next week I am going down to uh, Capitol Reef, which is one of your favorite places to be. Sure is. But I'm bringing that up because you are in a band and you play the guitar. Um, I believe that the, uh, I lost my notes here, the 
words from our friend Peter was that you are a genius guitar player. <laughs> so how did you get into music? And can you talk about your band and the events that it you hold? It all goes back to my nasty brother, <laughs> I, the one that was 14 years older than I was. And so he had guitars laying around. And his by the time he, I mean, he's in his 20s, and I'm 13, and there's guitars sitting in the corner. There was a nylon string guitar, and I picked it up, and I started to play it while I, when I was 13. So it's all his fault. And then, and uh, I mean, he turned me on to the Almond Brothers and, and the Beatles and all the, the earlier stuff when I was a kid. But then the Almond Brothers and Blue Oyster Cult were some of the most, the best first three albums of Blue Oyster Cult are some of the best guitar rock albums of all time. You might not know it. Not when it turned into Godzilla and uh, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. That stuff is crap compared to the first <laughs> three records. Secret Treaties, Tyranny and Mutation, and uh, um, the other one is uh, the, the Then Came the Last Days of May, Secret Treaties, Tyranny and Mutation, and uh, now it's, I'm having a I'm having a uh, a mental block. What do you think about like, what what do you think about more recent stuff too? Like, well, you saw Van Halen died, right? Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen today. died today. today? Yeah. I didn't I'm see sorry, that. Al. Yeah, I didn't see oh, that. Oh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That sucks. Do you, so are you in? He, on, he partied pretty hard though. I think throat cancer. Oh, cancer. Oh, yeah. Did he? Oh. You smoked that much in your no, life? No, he actually and, said that he thinks he got it from the metal picks that he used to hold in his mouth. Really? Oh, huh. yeah, like heavy yeah. metal yeah, poisoning. Yeah, those guys smoked like, a lot oh, of cigs. Oh yeah, he a did. lot of cigs. Every they smoked picture a lot of more him. cigarettes. He smoke, yeah. They smoked yeah. a lot more than just cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think about like that? That kind of of uh, rock guitar. And, and that that era of rock, because you grew up in a much earlier era. Right? I grew up in an earlier era, and I got turned on to the stuff my brother was listening to in the '60s, you know. And that kind of was my—I'm a hippie, and and when I was a, and then I was a punk rocker. It, it took me a little while till '78 and '76 when the Sex Pistols came out. I wasn't that so stoked on them. I was still listening to country rock, Marshall Tucker and the Allman Brothers, and and I was a, the first concert I ever saw in '74. I was 15 years old. Though my mom let me go see the New Riders of the Purple Sage with all original members, so I had a country kind of a background. Um, the stuff in the middle, I I I really. When you listen to music from the 60s and 70s, they just don't make music like that anymore. They just don't. It just, there's no, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like everybody using the same chords and the same crap just turned into mundane bunch of shit instead of any kind of <laughs> well, like, think- like inspir- inspirational stuff. I mean, like, like the turtles or the stuff like that, you know, happy together. You hear a song like that come out on the radio now? No. I, I think no. what happened, because, I mean, you think about that was a really kind of revolutionary era because that was, you know, the time when you had Hendrix and um, these guys that were doing things with electric guitars that just no one did they beforehand. Pushed, they, they pushed the limits. And, and I, I think the only place you see a lot of that stuff now is actually in electronic music. So, like, your, your different versions of techno where you have a lot more creative minds. Innovation. But it's all synthesized stuff. Innovation. 
But I think that's where you see the innovation now. The mm-hmm. stuff that you hear on the radio, your pop, that's just some producer. It's some rehashed crap. Yeah, most is. of it. Most yeah. of it. Um, I wouldn't call it crap because I like a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so does your band lean towards these these memories that you have? So, so you doing covers? The band that I'm in now is like a country rock band. <laughs> <laughs> so like Leonard Skinner, and like like, like I still listen. Like my. My Pandora station is Les Dudek, and Les Dudek was in the Almond Brothers, and it gets a little Stevie Ray Vaughan in there. That's a newer kind of stuff, but it has Marshall Chucker, and it has Molly Hatchet, and it has some of that stuff. And that's the stuff I listen to that still rings a bell with me. It's like it rings a bell harder than anything that I really hear that makes that doesn't make me as happy, the stuff I hear that's coming out and around these days. So the event that you did down at the Rimrock Hotel uh, in Torrey, um, is that is that an annual event? And what was it like? Because this was your first show in COVID. So we did it in the spring, and we didn't announce it. And and it's it's an annual event. We've it's going on ten years. It started with some other folks doing a Zion Curtain family reunion one, which was a bunch of the kids that are a little bit younger than my generation, not quite the punk rocker kids, kind of more the new wavy kids from back in the 80s. And we were punky and they were new wavy and they wore the Varney sunglasses and the, and the OP, OP shorts and all that kind of stuff, you know, and your members only jacket. <laughs> and they were the fry gods is what their their little group was. They started it with Zion Curtain Family Reunion in 2010 and then they didn't do it the next year and the guy who runs the hotel down there is a great friend of mine from when we were kids obviously from back in the 80s and uh, he's like you want to do something do it you know you keep doing it or do another one and and then it, it just took off and and i do it every year and then it's split to doing it twice <laughs> once at the beginning of the summer and once at the end and this year we did the the COVID hit and it was like, should we even do it? Uh, uh, they weren't even open down there yet. And they were like, he's like, I'm opening next weekend and I'm not sure what's going to happen. But if you want to do it, just don't tell anybody. I mean, <laughs> and so I didn't put it on the page that and there's a group page that has about 600 members that are friends and it's just a friends thing and I'm just calling on friends to come down there and uh, it's called with a little help from my friends and it it does itself in that way some people donate their time as far as bringing the equipment down some friends donate their band their musical talents and times and come and play for free there's never been a ticket price because of that we sell some t-shirts and if we make enough money to pay for the gas and to get us down there then I'll do it every year until I freaking die <laughs> and we've done it for 10 years now and the one in the spring was a little was very small more of a private party i couldn't really announce it on the page um the guy told me not to this one in the fall that we did just uh, in um september we did a little later this year really went off with a bang and the first one was a an acoustic show because we were trying to keep it mellow but we went back to rocking out this time at the end we had walter solace uh come up from flagstaff and he was in a band called the silos from the 90s and uh he was on they were on david letterman 
Berlin and they had a number one independent record when independent music was, they were the forerunners in it when independent music was not really, I mean, you know, then it split into emo this or this and that. There's a moniker for each little section of whatever it was. Well, it was independent music at first and it was not the stuff you heard on the mainstream radio, obviously. And it's what KRCL, the station that I uh, I'm on has been playing since the very beginning album rock whatever you want to call it back then in the 70s it was called like album rock or album sides something like that but he came and he played and we backed him up and we rocked the fuck out <laughs> and I mean it was really really fun well, it's such a rad place to have a concert too because the landscape down there is it's unbelievable. It, it's you, you. All you got to do is get yourself there. You get there, and it's like there's some sort of a vortex there. Like once you drive into Tory. <laughs> as soon as you get there, it's like Sedona or whatever. No, Tory. It's like <laughs> there is a spiritual pyramid, whatever you want to call it. It's there, and it. If you just can transport yourself there, you are going to have a good time no matter what. You see the stars. You see the Milky Way. The venue is out under the stars. The sound goes off where no one lives for miles and miles towards Boulder Mountain. I'm sure you can probably hear it on Boulder Mountain <laughs> because of the how crisp and clean the air is down there. It's just amazing. It's really, really amazing. You're going to get a grin if you go down there no matter what. Oh, this We went in August for the meteor shower, and we've already planned our trip to go back yeah. so yeah See? it's amazing <laughs> that's what the bands who come and play this thing and they'll donate their time and come and play for free and then after they do it once they're like how can we play again can we play next year and i'm like yeah of course you know or, you know we'll have a few different folks but we'll have the same it's our friends it's our friends we just want to have fun down there that's all so let's get, I want to get back to the, the farming since we all love farming did you have your love for the farm first and then cooking or did they kind of go hand in hand? Because if anybody follows you on your social media, you are a top-notch chef. I love to... I'm a cook. I'll, I want to call myself a cook. I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm quite a chef. I don't have the knife skills, all that little little stuff that goes along with it. But boy, all you have to do really is the garden. the garden, what comes first, the garden or the food <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, the chicken or the egg yeah, yeah, I don't know um, the love of the food that comes from the garden and the fact that you can just put salt and pepper on that shit and it's gonna taste good no matter what so if you put a little extra something or you get a little quirk or you have a little uh, process you do that gets you a little farther, you're you're stepping it up notches, notches, notches by just using food from your backyard. Well, you should write a cookbook. <laughs> it's a it's it's got to be a, a seasonal cookbook for. You know, okay, in August, the squash, squash starts to come. So it's in your omelet in the morning. It's in your stuffing it at night with, you know, sausage and, and cheese and breadcrumbs and egg and, and all herbs that are growing right there. You're throwing that. It, all, you put those things together. It's going to taste good. You don't have to think about it too hard. You really don't. You don't. It's keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because I, I grew up with a garden. So as a kid, I always had a garden. So as I 
went into adulthood, I've always had a garden. And most of my friends, or at least people, when they first kind of meet me, they just think I'm so weird <laughs> to have a garden. But then after I share with them, they have things out of it. A lot of them come around and think, oh, yeah, this isn't so bad. And we've got chickens. I've got 20 chickens. Yeah. So we have fresh eggs. Me too. All the time. I have fresh yep. eggs frequently from his chickens. Uh, Very bees, good. which I've had a horrible year with my bees, but I've had bees for about eight or nine years. Cool. So we, I want to come check out your, your shit. Get, Let's do it. Come and be on my show. Come and be on my show. I'll be, I'm on your yours. Show, come and be on swap my show. Yeah. So I love it. But I mean, I grew up with it. And then I'm, I'm in architecture. And it's funny. In architecture school, they talk about green architecture and all this kind of stuff. And I'm one of those that actually He's the only one that lives does it. it. <laughs> so he's built like his, his chicken coop and slash greenhouse that's a shed that he's kind of repurposed. He had a wind turbine that he built himself uh, that powered the chicken coop in the winter. Uh, I'm getting had, a warm feeling inside. In his in his <laughs> windows, these are gone now because they had to fix the siding uh, yeah. of their house, but he had in his windows that were south-facing windows on the side of his house, these like homemade fucking tin can heater things. Boxes. That, like, <laughs> yeah. He would turn them on and they would jet out like 200 degrees from wow. his fucking windows from the time. Very cool, yeah. Very like, cool, insane stuff. I've seen I've seen some of those where it's all black. Yeah, it's all black and it sucks the heat and it goes up inside the house. And I, I have put a little fan out of an old computer in it. Nice to push to, it out to push into the it room in, to push it. Yep. And then my beehive actually made it to top bar hive. Then I made it the he whole made, thing. He made two. One is no longer. I'm with coming us. over. One didn't do so well, but the other one, <laughs> the other one, other we, we lost the bees this year, but. He made the coolest shit for his chickens. Also, he has dogs that thin out his chicken coop. When Gotta he watch needs. the dogs. Oh, really? <laughs> they get a little voracious. Yeah, so I got so I've got a watering system in the chicken coop. So I've got a big pickle barrel that I got that I fill up with water, and then it goes through the line, and then it's got these little red cups that the chickens push the little yellow dots to to water them. So I want to fill that about every two months. So and they I've, they they water supply themselves, themselves. <laughs> and, and then we've got a feeder. That's a big bucket with a PVC pipe in the bottom that they stick their heads in. So they're smart, aren't they? Yeah, smarter than some. They're chickens. They're chickens. They're only, they're, <laughs> their intelligence has but a ceiling. You think so? Pretty, I think they're pretty smart. I, I, what I see about chickens is, is they are motherfucking prehistoric. Oh, yeah. That and so that's got to be pretty smart because they're still around, baby. Yep, that's because their legs. That little you see their, that, you see them go after a mouse. You see them <laughs> or swarm like a, a, the wildest herd of of cannibalistic whatever's you ever yeah. seen in your life. So a couple of years wow. ago, I have my, I have multiple compost piles, and in the late, well, in the early spring and in the late fall, I let the chickens out to clean up the garden because they love it. They get all the bugs and clean it up. Yeah. So one uh, spring, I was cleaning out the the compost beds, and I had the chickens out. So there's fifteen, twenty chickens rolling around, and I happened to unearth a mouse. A little mouse colony, and there are probably 20 mice in there. Right. They scattered, and the chickens just devoured them, throwing them up in the air. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You don't, you, people need <laughs> to see that kind of abandon just to, to, no, to realize it's how insane. badass chickens, are, so, chickens are. are. They're so fucked up. They are stupid, though. They're really dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I like that. Like, like your, your zucchini that get out of hand, these great yeah. monster zucchinis. I, I, there was one, like, under the zucchini plant, like, the whole plant was, like, growing on top of it, and I didn't see it. And it was, it was seriously, it was, like two feet long it was huge 
And that's not really that edible as a as a human, but right. the chickens we threw it in the coop, it was gone in like fifteen minutes. Yeah, the whole thing. Those chickens just surround it. And that's it. I've seen it. So for, for at our house, if it if it doesn't go in the compost, it goes to the into to the, the chickens. chickens. Mine too. And what goes in the garbage is very little. Mm-hmm. So I gotta. We got one other question for you. So the first thing that we'll ask is how do how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk. About anything and everything. So I'm on I'm on Facebook as Punk Rock Farmer. I'm on Instagram as Punk Rock Farmer. Those are I'm on there all the time. Instagram is probably my my go to more than Facebook. Um, it's just I don't like to talk politics. I don't like to talk stupid bullshit. I want to post pictures of food and not get a bunch of shit for it and <laughs> and really not care. That's what, what I post. That's Instagram. Yeah, that's what Instagram's for. I like it. Uh, cool, cool. So last question. And wait, what? where can I listen to your show? So oh, yeah. you can listen to my show on Fridays at 6 p.m. Um, it's at KRCL 90.9 FM. And it's also at krcl.org. If you click on community affairs and then radioactive, all the shows are archived there. And you can look back through Fridays because I'm only on on Fridays for radioactive. Nice, nice. Okay, so you have made a home in Utah. You're, you're here entirely by choice. Um, so what's something that, what, what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah? So I started going to the desert. Some folks, when I, when I worked up at, at, in, at Snowbird, it was with folks that were all, um, people who were rangers that had a pack mule in the Sierras and had a, a meadow they took care of or watched from a fire tower for, for, for fires and they knew the John Muir Trail or people from back east who live in Minnesota where all the lakes are, things like that. And so they took me to the desert when I, those folks took me to the desert. They took me to this place in Canyonlands, uh, in the Devil's Garden. It's in the Needles District, right where the needles are. And they they have a little cave there that they call the Party Rock. On top is the Party Rock and then there's this little cave underneath. And uh, I could take you there right now. I know exactly how to get there. Still, and uh, Goblin Valley was another one that I went to first. Canyonlands, obviously, Dead Horse Point, and all those. I think the desert here in Utah is a, a otherworldly and stark beauty. And when things grow in the desert, a hardy plant growing green in rock. the middle of nowhere, in the sand in the desert, that's my kind of shit. That's the goods. Or um, uh, or a perennial river that flows through the desert mm-hmm. that has every step you take, a toad jumps or a little something scurries off in the bush. I mean... That's a lot of people. There's life there. A lot of people don't realize that Utah, like the entire state, is a giant desert. Right, it's part of a giant desert. Right, but they don't realize it because we're up in the mountains, mm-hmm. and, and you see trees in the mountains. But there's, you know, we're five thousand feet up, and there's just nothing but desert. But it's not like Sahara type desert, right? Where it's just sand everywhere. It's rock and sagebrush and that kind of stuff. There are parts that are sand, though. So, like, if you go out to the dunes, out in the knolls, yes. that is sand dunes. That is sandy desert. It's just really interesting because when you think desert, you don't think of what Utah is, but it is 100% a desert climate. 
I fell in love with the desert. I lived where I lived in New York is all old, oh, super deciduous green, forests and super green. I lived forest. on the, I lived where the Your the car little turns yellow in March. Yes, of all the pollen. The little white churches across up across the street with the. F- Ten big maple trees around that's, it. That's one of the most beautiful parts of the country to fly over. Yes. Is like across the Finger Lakes region mm-hmm. and up into that that part of upstate New York. That's just it's just forest. It's all old growth forest. Right. It's beautiful. The the Adirondacks is uh, was a uh, one of our you know that's where we went skiing mm-hmm. and that's where the lots bug for skiing started. Lots of ice. <laughs> the six foot bumps that are yeah. just ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's so much different here oh yeah every everyone i've talked to so when i went to the u when i first moved to utah everyone from back east was like this it's the skiing isn't even comparable like it's not it like i don't want to go ski back east anymore never again because yeah. <laughs> the fluffy and that's because of the desert climate with the great salt lake we have the perfect snow yes we get that that air is just there's no humidity Super in the air. Fluffy, yeah. beautiful powder. Yes, and the places that face northeast, uh, where the sun doesn't hit, those shoots and those oh. those exposures stay that way. Mm-hmm. Like my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's really That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Al- Aldine. Uh, we really appreciate it. I had really fun. I would, you know, I was maybe, nah, not really apprehensive, but, you know, it. it I was just wondering what we were going to talk about. And it, I thought it was great, man. I loved hanging out with you guys. Well, thanks again to uh, Aldine Grassi and his spirits. I got it. That was got so it. fun. I didn't fuck it up once. You're welcome, Way to Al. Go. Uh, that was that was a great interview. Um, also, I, I can't encourage you guys enough to go spend time, spend money at the haunted houses uh, around the valley. Um, it's a fun experience. Um, you can do them safely, and they really need your support. Um, they're not going to stick around if they can't keep their doors open. Most of them have very reduced um, capacities because of COVID. They're trying to abide by laws. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next couple weeks because Salt Lake is asking to go back to Orange. So, Yep, Yep. because a thousand plus rolling cases is... The thing is, is, there's not that many coming out of actually Salt Lake still, right? Yeah, it's Mm. most over half is coming out of Utah County, but... There well is, over half. <laughs> there, there is there, and they're only twenty percent of the population base. Um, there is uh, a lot of stuff to be said about extracurriculars with schools. There was a big article and in the haunted houses. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, but really, what they're talking about is like sporting events and stuff that mm. these kids are going to. So, <laughs> Sean posted a picture. So we Our have friend a friend, Sean, not of my daughter, Sean. We have a, a Slack group that um, the gamers all hang out in, and we have a few different things. And Sean posted a, 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 a Tribune article in there, uh, and the picture. In the Tribune article, um, the Tribune article, which is titled something like, um, you know, schools see rise of COVID School cases, extracurricular, extracurricular activities yeah. or something. And it's just, it's a picture of his daughter screaming at a Riverton football game with no mask on next to a bunch of people. So she made the cover She's of whatever a, that was. He's like, I'm so proud. My child's the poster child for COVID-19, what not to do. Nice. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, so, but seriously, go support these businesses for as long as you can. Um, they really need it. Um, that's something that Utah does a lot of, and we're really 
is it's one of the things that makes Utah really cool is our love of haunts and haunted houses and doing that kind of stuff. So and go buy produce like at Farmer Luke's. He's o- he's open year round. Yeah, the, the market's only open for a couple more. The weeks. end of October. Uh, but Farmer Luke's open year round, and not just for produce. Um, he does have a greenhouse that he grows some stuff mm-hmm. for his his community share stuff. Uh, but he's also got that shop that's full of local goods. Yep, and bees, which make really good gifts as the holiday season. Right now, out. the pumpkin patch. Go check that out. And then I'm assuming he'll be doing Christmas trees again. Yep, I can't imagine not. So, so um, anyway, uh, go support people locally. That's that's the best thing I can tell you. Um, and hope you like what you heard. You can follow us on all the socials at TNU Podcast or see our website, thenewutah.com, for links to all the crap we talk about and more. Um, and uh, if you liked what you heard or don't like what you hear, just share the episode. That's the most helpful thing that we could ask you to do. Uh, and hopefully you have a safe and happy rest of your month. Go whatever, listen to Van Halen. Whatever month that is. Oh, yeah, Eddie died. Eddie died.